1: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and coffee expert. It's good to be with you on this fine but kind of cold Monday. I hope that you are doing well. This hour, right off the bat, we're going to talk about something you've been hearing about in the news, if you've been paying attention to the news today. Southern Baptist Report about sexual abuse and uh, what I want to tell you is that this is everybody's problem in the church, not just Southern Baptists, if you happen to be. And the reason why I want to talk about that is because your non-Christian friends, or maybe if you're listening, I know a lot of you listening are are not Christians, you're uh, whatever you are, you're kind of wondering, well, what's up with that? Why is it on all the news stations? Why do we keep hearing this? i wasn't been listening, you know, to the regular news on the half hour, one of those stations, and it was on all day today. And I thought, well, we better talk about that, because one of the things that we like to do in this program is talk about the issues of the day, but we want to get down into what it means for you with discipleship. I promise you that your friends and family, and in particular those people that you are not believers, they have some question about what it is that you think about it if they know you're a believer. And uh, so let's talk about it. You can join the conversation. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888 2557 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. We'll get your email on the air. If it comes in during showtime most of the time, Southern California, S- S- no, excuse me, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. In the stack today, Monkey Pox, Biden's statement about going to war with China, bad drivers and more. We'll get to those things uh, later. But uh, let's talk about this subject. I've got my coffee, the brew of the believer, ready to go. And if you're thinking this isn't about you, here's, here's the thing I think we tend to do when these things come up as Christians. We tend to say, thank goodness that's not happening at my church. Thank goodness that's not happening with my pastor. Thank goodness that's not uh, my leadership board. Thank goodness uh, that's the other denomination. Thanks goodness it's those other people. And, you know, thank Goodness, it's the Catholics and not the Protestants. Thank goodness it's the liberal denomination and not the conservative denomination, however you want to divide it. But I'm telling you as a pastor, I'm telling you as a person who gets the phone calls from people. So when this happens, for example, I've been at a Baptist church for a long time, things that happen in other Baptist churches that I have nothing to do with, that nobody in my church has to do with, uh, I get phone calls about it. I'm sure that I'm going to get a call from somebody angry with me because of this, and we're not Southern Baptists. And I'll, I also know that pastors of other churches and other denominations get calls because about, for this, and they have nothing to do with it, except that here's the thing. We are one church. People who believe in Jesus are one church. Now, we have different traditions and different denominations, and we have different expressions of worship and different ways of doing it. But at the end of the day, people who believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior, people who believe that what we are here to do is demonstrate and announce the gospel to people, that we are supposed to be ambassadors of Christ, not just in what comes out of the pastor's mouth on Sunday morning, but in the way we live our life. See, this matters. It's affecting your witness. So what do we do? How do we respond to this or other scandals that have been happening in very large numbers in different Christian circles? It's happening on the left and the right. As far as that's concerned, it's happening in a lot of evangelical circles recently and a big one today. You can join the conversation right now, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. See, and I think It's important for us to address it because Jesus tells us to take the log out of our own eyes so we can see clearly enough to take the speck out of our own eye, out of our neighbor's eye. I can't even believe how many people have asked me what I think about uh, a bishop telling Nancy Pelosi she can't have communion in the Catholic Church. Uh, Well, you know what? I'm a a Protestant. I don't even understand how a lot of that stuff works. Um, But I also know that the Pope told Joe Biden he can. And so there is some contradiction there, and I wonder what's happening. You know, and I think if you are Protestant and you've been thinking, "Oh, the Catholics and the uh, scandals with the the kids and the priests," well, now you got a big one in the largest the largest Protestant denomination there is, Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, so let me talk about it just a little bit. If you are kind of unaware of why that report is out there and why it's important for us to know about it, the SBC is the nation's largest Protestant denomination by far. Nothing is close. 14 million members. And, uh, it's, it's huge. And, you know, out here on the left coast, we don't care as much about denominations as they do in, uh, on the Eastern coast, East coast, Midwest and Southern states. You're much more likely to know what each denomination is here in California. We're, we're, you know, you may not even know, you might drive down the street and you see all these different denominations and churches. And I think most people don't know, um, and it creates an interesting question for you if you do have a historical denomination name on the sign out front uh, or whatever you put out front. People want to know what it is you believe. What's the difference? I mean, people in my church have no idea what a Baptist is as opposed to uh, some other groups out there. And I think that's true a lot, but it's a lot more true where we are. And that also, I think, helps give us the need to understand what is going on, to take the log out of our own eye. And by our, I don't mean your. I mean, maybe I do mean your. Maybe you are dealing with this personally. But our meaning the church. The church has a witness to Christ to protect. The church shouldn't be the same as what we're seeing in the rest of culture. I mean, when, when Harvey Weinstein went down in the Me Too movement and it took a lot of uh, people with him in Hollywood and that scandal, that's a good thing that that became public And there were an awful lot of victims, and um, a lot of people felt that because we have kind of an imaginary relationship with movie actors, right? We see them on the screen, and we have this feeling that we know them even though we don't, and maybe they are nothing like what they are on the screen. But we feel for people because we see them interviewed, and we see them in different places. And, you know, it was easy for people on the right to say, ah, see those lefties in Hollywood, they're just as guilty of it too, and they are, but – we have to take a look at ourselves. I believe that Jesus is right when he tells us to take the log out of our own eye. I think that he is absolutely right about that because when we do, we do have moral authority then, not because we're perfect, but because we're dealing with it to help others take the speck out of theirs, as Jesus says. Are you with me? 888 888- LA Talks is the phone number 888-528-2557. If you're Southern Baptist and you care about this, you can give me a call. You know, if you you may not even know if you're Southern Baptist with what uh, church you are out here, but uh, maybe you've got some thoughts, maybe it's impacted you. And I realize that uh, this conversation is hard for you if you are a victim of of sexual abuse. And one of the things that is so difficult in this this whole issue, whether it's in the church or outside of the church, is most of these issues They usually don't see the light of day in any sense where there might be justice being done or where perpetrators get caught. And there's so much nuance, you know, when it comes to people who might be in relationships, when it comes to husbands and wives where this is going on, or uh, there is so much denial. And in fact, many of these leaders that are being accused are still uh, denying this publicly. So here's, here's the thing. So this report comes out. And a really good thing that you should know about what the SBC uh, people did, at their annual convention last year, they grew tired of a lot of accusations from people about abuse that were not being, in their their mind, uh, and rightly so it turns out, that were not being investigated or dealt with inside the church. And so at their annual convention, they voted to have an outside group come in and investigate which I thought was a smart move, really good. There are outside groups. The trouble with our world today is that now now there are outside groups that are hired by organizations, and this happens in your workplace, right? This happens not just in church organizations, obviously, but it's happening everywhere, and it's happening so often today that there are organizations that you can hire and pay lots of money to come in and do the investigation for you. So Southern Baptist did this, and that was the right thing. All right, so here's what the report says. The report says, quote, for almost two decades, survivors of abuse and other concerned Southern Baptists, um, that they these, this report contradicts the executive committee of the SBC. Um, and it says that many of the abusers are people who are in the pulpit and they're employed as church staff. All right. It's a very significant thing. And what it basically says is all these accusations, and there's a lot of them, these accusations were – put under the table, swept away, denied, other things. And the report says that the leadership in the SBC were singularly focused, quoting now, singularly focused on avoiding liability for the SBC to the exclusion of other considerations. Uh, the, the organization that they hired to do this is an organization called Guidepost, All right, and they conducted this information and put out a report. just came out last night, so that's why this is making the news everywhere today. And uh, it's pretty significant that they say that, that people who were victims who were reporting abuse were ignored, disbelieved, or they were met with a constant refrain that the SBC should take no action due to its policy regarding church autonomy, even if it meant that convicted molesters continued in ministry with no notice or warning to their current church or congregation. Uh, It's pretty severe. And as you go through it, it's it's just going to make you mad, really mad. And it gets into the weeds of how churches operate. It gets into the weeds of why we can't do this or we can't do this. We can't help these people. We can't help these people because every church is autonomous. Um, You may not realize it, but your church, for sure, if it's a Baptist church, often if you're another denomination or non-denominational, you are a nonprofit corporation. You're a separate corporation than your denomination. So you have... It's a very odd thing because this is not how the Bible tells us to organize at all. It's the way we organize in our country because there is a separation of church and state that's in the Constitution. And so it it matters the way we come together. And if you want your giving to be tax deductible, which isn't necessary biblically that it be tax deductible, it's a whole other question. Would you give to your church if it was not tax deductible? Um, but if it is going to be, then you need to be a corporation, you need to be a nonprofit, there needs to be certain nonprofit laws that you follow and all of that comes together and what ends up happening in church is the same thing that would happen with non-religious organizations is you're an organization you instead of being a spiritual entity, you become a company and the leaders of that company, are there to make sure that essentially the shareholders, they're not really shareholders in a nonprofit corporation, but the donors, the people who are members, however you define it, that the organization is taken care of. And that becomes the priority rather than dealing with sin. And that's ultimately one way to look at what happened. Have you seen this happen before, where in a Christian organization, it really is more about dealing with the the corporate structure and protecting the executives rather than dealing with what is sin. I think that's a big problem for the church is that we don't want to call out sin for what it is when it's us. It's really easy to call out sin when it's them. Are you with me? It's really easy to point at that group of people or those politicians we didn't vote for or this group who believes whatever they're sinners. But it's a lot harder when we have to say we're sinners. My friends, it's it's wrong. And we're paying for it. Eight, 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 five, two, eight, two, five, five, seven is the number. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. And we're talking about the SBC report that came out today. The report says that survivors of abuse were denigrated as opportunistic, having a hidden agenda of lawsuits waiting to wanting to burn things to the ground and acting as professional victims. There are professional victims out there. Usually they get exposed. I know a church that had a lawsuit. Somebody was suing them because they fell down. And the interesting thing that happened was two things happened. This person did have a reputation for suing churches, for going to churches and falling down some stairs and then suing them. That's what she was doing. And at this particular time, the insurance company for that church that normally would just pay it out said, no, we're not paying it out because we think this person is a professional victim, and so we're going to fight. And what was really interesting is that she ended up losing because she, in fact, changed her story to the extent that she changed where she said she fell down, like a completely different part of the campus, and then she lost. Uh, Those things happen. But what we're talking about here are, are people who are accusing of abuse and of injury, accusing pastors, accusing church leaders, both volunteer and paid staff. And in some of those cases, maybe they're false claims, but they weren't investigated properly. In many of those cases, probably most of those cases, they are very true. What Guidepost discovered is that uh, the accusations are credible. And in fact, the accusations that are some of the most credible are with the leaders of the denomination who are the ones who are trying to discredit them. See, that's often how it works, right? If you're discrediting somebody uh, that's accusing you, uh, maybe you're defending yourself, but maybe they're accusing you of something that's true. How can we do better? I think we can do a lot better. 888-528-2557. Does it bother you to talk about this kind of thing? I mean, we see this all the time. It's not just church. The USA Gymnastics scandal, huge scandal. And they had hundreds of cases of abuse that they knew about that they hid. And those young girls were just seriously abused. It's horrible uh, what happened there. But here's the, here's the point for us today. This should not be the church. USA Gymnastics shouldn't be there either, but it definitely shouldn't be the church. It turned out that the leaders have a database of 703 different ministers who have been accused incredible ways of abuse, 703. And they were keeping that database to protect themselves, but not sharing it between churches, which is an interesting thing, right? What happens when somebody who is in sin leaves your church and goes to another church? Are you just done with it? Or do they get to do that at another church? Not just with this kind of abuse, but we see this with uh, embezzlement, for example. Somebody is stealing money from the church, and they steal money from your church, and you catch them, and you fire them, and then they go to the next church and do the same thing, and they get caught, and they get fired, and then they go to the next church, and they do the same thing. Eventually, somebody prosecutes, but not after, not until they've been to multiple churches. Same thing with abuse, same thing with other problems. See, when we think of ourselves as one church, I think that there is something that the Christian church in America has to start thinking on the same page. And it's hard, except that if you go to scripture and really try to pay attention to it, I think that you get some help. I think that leadership needs to be very clearly biblically defined. And I don't think we do that. I think that often we don't. Um, a lot of the time we do, all right? A lot of the time we do. Most of the time, I should say, we do. Most of the time, your pastor is a really good godly person. Most of the time, the people who are the elders in your church or the church leaders, however you you know define them, are very good godly people. They love the Lord. They're not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. If you're looking for the perfect pastor or the perfect group of leaders, you're never going to find it. All of us fall short of the glory of God but occasionally these problems come up because we have theological problems and we have sin problems. We have I think cultural problems in the church. Why does the pastor, the lead pastor have to be also the lead counselor of people? Why does the lead pastor have to have all of these different gifts? Aren't there people in our churches who are who are trained counselors? You know every one of our seminaries is cranking out people who are trained counselors. Shouldn't they have larger roles in the church? Because what happens is, and as a pastor for 25 years, you know, people come to my office with horrific stories. And often by the time they come see me, they're at the end of their rope. And so the bad guy pastors are the ones who take advantage of those people who are at the end of their rope. Or they just they just get into an emotional relationship with somebody because you're sharing the darkest secrets of your life and you comfort them and then all of a sudden your counseling sessions become dates, and you don't call it that, but you enjoy it that way, and lots of things happen. 888-528-2557. The reason this matters ultimately for our conversation is because you've got people that you work with who are wondering if this is going on at your church, and they're not going to tell you probably. They are you might have family. You might have a spouse. You might know somebody who's been going through something and just been ignored. We have a we have a ministry that we can do here. See, and our problem is our churches run as corporate entities and not spiritual entities. This needs to change. In First Timothy chapter three it says, "Here is a trustworthy saying: Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task." Now, the over, overseer is to be above reproach. You just kind of have to start with that. What does it mean to be above reproach? It doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean that at all. But it means that serious accusations don't stick, right? It means that there are, you know, that this person doesn't have a lifestyle that other people are going, yeah, well, you know, um, this person might not be right with the Lord because they engage in this activity regularly. All right. It's very, you know, if if your pastor gets drunk all the time, um, he's probably not above reproach and eventually that's going to catch up to him. It just is. Um, there are things that, when you are in leadership of any kind, even leadership in companies, right? You have to refrain from because you represent that company whenever you go out, even in your own private life. Remember a few years ago when people are getting fired because the they uh, from different companies because they were rude to people in restaurants or rude in different ways, and somebody uh, videoed it on their phone and put it on Instagram. And it had nothing to do with their job, except that when they go out and they become public, all of a sudden it affects the whole company. Same thing's happening with the church. And I think one of the things that we do, and you can call and tell me if you agree or disagree, I think sometimes the overseer is the most talented person. The overseer is maybe a person who gives the most money. The overseer is the person who is the likable person. And, Uh, those things, you know, it's good to have those people in your church. And certainly you got to be likable. You got to get along with people. I mean, that's a big one for me with, with people in leadership. You know, the, at least the higher ends of leadership, you got to get along with human beings. Some people just struggle with that. And, uh, if you can't get along with people, uh, maybe leadership isn't for you. Um, there's something for you though. There's a gift that you have and maybe it's not working with people. Maybe it's behind the scenes. There's something for you to do. Uh, So everybody's got a gift that matters for the body of Christ. Uh, The body of Christ is an interesting thing. You know, sometimes you, you wonder about people and you go, I think that you're the appendix in the body of Christ. Nobody knows what you actually do, but you might blow up and kill us all. That happens. That happens sometimes. 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. You can join the conversation. We'll talk about this a little bit and move on to some other things. As soon as we get back from the break, lots going on in the news today. Monkeypox, pox, uh, COVID vax for kids, and uh, people can't drive, apparently. 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live, your Monday edition. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back Southern California live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Good to be with you today on this Monday edition of our program. We're on every day from three to five right here on KKLA 99.5 in Los Angeles and we're on KPRZ K praise in San Diego good to be with you. You've been listening to the news, and uh, I thought we should talk about, I know it's a painful thing to talk about, the report that came out about the SBC today and the abuse allegations from a third-party organization that they hired to investigate, which I think is good that they did that. And uh, now we'll have to see what they do. But as you get into this kind of things, why as as believers is this happening more and more often? Do you have a thought about that? Do you? Does your church practice, have you ever seen it practice some form of biblical church discipline? Nobody wants to talk about that. I feel like Christians are kind of in denial about this, and maybe it's because we're all guilty of something, and so it's it's kind of hard to do that. Once again, that's why Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye. But we're seeing more and more of our larger, particularly evangelical organizations fall to not just the abuse but the cover up of it right the 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 cover up almost is always the worst part when bad things happen right the number is 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 i shouldn't say the cover up's the worst part if you are the victim of these things that's the the worst part is the act that's been done okay but the the cover up is kind of the the part that just compiles on it just it's the part that just makes people so angry. So you're angry first of all that the abuse happened and then angry that the abuse is covered up. How can you cover it up? Should be exposed immediately. And it's so sad. Uh and it's just uh a horrific thing. You know one of my my favorite evangelists until the end, uh Ravi Zacharias, you know he passed away a couple of years ago and then it was revealed all kinds of scandals with that guy. Uh, and his organization spent a million dollars covering it up. This person was uh, at the same time as being a great apologist the same time out there you know using great arguments to defend the gospel of Christ. Uh, he was uh, running a bunch of massage parlors or something to me, I'm thinking if you're uh, if your pastor's running a all-night massage parlor, you should have questions. That's just 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 maybe that's just me. I kind of think. Uh, that if you know if the pastor's running an all night massage parlor and uh, uh, you know maybe he's got a, a weed shop out there on the side as his side hustle, I would ask some questions. You know, what are you doing? I uh, wonder what's going on, uh, Pastor. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. These things keep happening, and I don't think we should ignore it. You know, and the reason why not is because we are meant to be ambassadors of Christ the people in your life your family the ones that you're praying come to know jesus that person who's your coworker who you really want to come to know jesus you know they need some example of christian integrity that is above what the rest of the culture is doing they need to understand from you that you condemn this kind of abuse in the church no matter who it's coming from that jesus would not condone this that jesus was not about hiding this kind of stuff. And the good news is that everybody has to stand in front of Jesus. So the people who are guilty of this, they will be held accountable by Christ one day. And the people who are falsely accusing, there's some of that, they will be held accountable by Christ also. It's an interesting thing. In seminary, we didn't get a lot of teaching about how to handle a, abuse when it truly happens. I mean, we, we deal with it in counseling, and I have not had the, thankfully, gratefully, this has not happened. Um, As far as I'm aware, I was at a big church once, so maybe I didn't know about it, but uh, the church where I was the lead pastor for 18 years, we didn't have this kind of thing happen. We were taught a lot to have a lot of precautions. So for example, we make sure that everybody who's working with kids has a background check. We used to have a sign up that said, um, in God, we trust all others are screened. And there were some people who objected to that and were like, well, you don't get to work with kids if you don't get if you don't fill out the form and take the little test. Uh, I don't think we ever had anybody rejected by those companies, but every single worker is tested. And then uh, we had uh, we used to be called the Billy Graham rule, which some people don't like today. And I've, I've noticed that the Billy Graham rule, I think the, the rule is if you are a pastor, uh, don't ride in a car anywhere with another woman who's not your wife. And part of it is you don't want to lead yourself into temptation, but the other part of it is you don't want other people to see you together and start assuming things that aren't really true, uh, about you, or, you know, maybe they are true. Uh, don't do it. Um, but I've had some people, uh, say, no, that's not really fair to the women who might be on your staff. You know, I've had, uh, I used to joke about the guys on my staff. I could take them out for the afternoon and we'd have mentoring times and we'd have this, uh, walk on the beach. Right. And, uh, Uh, We would laugh about that. But the women on my staff, I can't really do that with. Um, I can do it if their husbands come along. I think that's appropriate, I think. But uh, there's been some people tell me, no, you should be doing the exact same thing with the men and women on your staff. And uh, I don't know. In seminary, it was, uh, you know, beat into us. You will be accused of something. You need to make sure that you've got windows on the office doors, that you're never there alone with with anybody, men or women these days, because you just never know. 888-528-2557 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Gina in Los Angeles, thank you for calling Southern California Live. Hi, Gina. Hi, Gina, Hi. go ahead.
2: Um, you mentioned about uh, Ravi Zachariah uh, yeah. as a cover-up. Uh, I think that's wrong. Um, they, um, The ministry came out and his family came out, after he died, they did an investigation and found that everything that the women had said were true, and they wrote a, uh, they had a, a letter of apology also out there.
1: Yes, they did, at the end of the day, come out and apologize for it. They went out and they also got a third party to uh, investigate uh, what happened uh, with that. So what I was saying is that until that third party finished the job, they had spent three years covering things up. So you're right. They did come out and apologize. And uh, that is important to mention. Uh, I think that's what you're uh, talking about there, Gina. You still with me, Gina? All right, Gina, thank you for your call. And you're right. um, That is a part of that story is eventually the Ravi Zacharias organization did come out and apologize and uh, for all of that. And it's another good thing. I think it's a good thing that they went out and got a third party. You you need an outside group to come in and uh, talk about this. You need, uh, and that's what the Southern Baptists did. And I think this, this should be part of your conversation. If you find yourself in a conversation about this with somebody, one of the things you should say is, hey, the people got together and eventually they went out and got a third party because they wanted to know the truth. And as far as the the destruction that goes on, you know, inside the inside denominations, if you're inside, you think everybody's looking, but actually nobody's looking. And then it suddenly hits the news and now everybody knows. Um, This is something that will lead to healing eventually, because the truth always gets you to a place where it's painful and you have to come to terms with things, but you won't heal unless you get the truth. And in all of these things, we have to be out there and point out this truth that, that, hey, eventually people did come around. Um, That's what we have to do. We have to be able to do that. We have to stop covering things up. 888-528-2557 is the number. Jennifer in Los Angeles. Welcome to Southern California Live.
2: Hi. Hi, I just wanted to share a story that that, um, I've never disclosed to anybody other than the the people that actually knew the situation. When my daughter was going to Catholic school and I was not – catholic i only put her in there because they had patience but there was a priest that i just I, i i can't even tell you how much i loved him i i would listen to his sermons i'd go to this church because i really appreciated what he had to say he was unlike any other priest that um i've ever encountered because of his message well i ended up getting really close with him but i started noticing um he was getting a little too friendly and asking too many questions about my personal life and trying to wreck my relationship. And then, you know, uh, he, he ended up, um, when I introduced him to, who um, was my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, when I introduced him to him, he was really mean to him and really aggressive. And it came out later that this particular priest, who's no longer a priest, had gotten uh, he had a, he had a child by a, a one woman, but he had gotten two other women pregnant in that particular parish. Mm-hmm. And then other women came out and talked about how he would hit on them and uh, um, how he, de- he he destroyed somebody's marriage, you know, by I guess being very aggressive with the woman's husband. And after all that came out, and uh, he left that particular church. Half of the people that were going to that church never went back to that church, and I don't even know if they went to church again. But I know it was really hard for me, and it was hard for me to go back to any church because I was devastated because I thought, after I heard everything that happened, I realized, wow, there was this warning sign, there was that warning sign, how could I not see it? But it hurt me tremendously, Mm. and it took me a while to just go back to any church because I was... So devastated.
1: Are you in? Are you back in church now somewhere, Jennifer?
2: Oh yeah, De- okay. definitely back in church. But um, it, that was a hard one for me because I, I were never supposed to, you know, idolize anybody at all yeah. ever. I, I I understand that, and I think I kind of idolized him a little bit, and maybe he felt that because I just really appreciated his sermons. Um, I always wondered why he was a priest because he kind of spoke a lot about Jesus in such a way that uh, made a lot of sense to me in the, the Baptist church that I grew up in. So mm-hmm. it was really interesting, and I felt I could connect with him, but it took several years uh, to, to not be angry and not be hurt, and not feel betrayed.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sorry that you went through that. I'm glad that you're back in church, and a lot of people have that experience, and that is kind of what we're you know, I think that, uh, thank you for your call, Jennifer. I think that that is, that's the reason that we need to be able to talk about these things because you mentioned that a lot of people never went back. And I suspect that, uh, you know, this happened, uh, with a, a Catholic priest, but many of those people like you are Protestants and, uh, they go there, um, and they don't go back. It, what happens is, is we idolize the pastor or the church leader or the priest, we put them on a pedestal that they don't belong on. And, if they've got issues and they've got sinful things that they they do, um, and then when they fall, they just fall so much harder and they take a lot of us with them. You know, in in the book of 1 Corinthians, one of the things that that church was doing wrong, and that church, by the way, was doing a lot wrong, including um, abuse, including all kinds of things. You know, Paul uh, writes them. He doesn't kick them to the curb, but that church was a disaster. And they were idolizing different pastors. They idolized uh, Apollos In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, some people said, I am of Apollos. Some people said, I am of Cephas, Peter. Some people, I am of Paul. And the others said, well, I am of Jesus. But those people who are of Jesus, what they were is that it wasn't a positive thing. What they were doing is saying, I'm right and all those other people are wrong. Well, I'm with Jesus. It was more of a a statement of, I'm going to interpret everything on my own and I'm not going to listen to any leader. And Paul says all of it's wrong, that we can't be idolizing these people people who are leaders, we have to respect them as leaders. Hebrews tells us to respect and um, be submissive to our church leaders. It matters. That's how an organization functions. But Timothy also tells us how to remove leaders and it has an extra step that if a leader's in sin that, that you need to have two witnesses and there's a process for that. but never is there a time when we are to idolize church leaders. Um, we are to follow them. They should be respectable. They should be above reproach. Uh, they should be all of these things, but, but the reason that this is so important is that we are to be followers of Jesus. Each one of us followers of Jesus and our church leaders, our pastors, our radio hosts, whoever we like, great. God gave us leaders. God gave us leaders to follow. God gave, made people with the gift of speaking and teaching and preaching. And, and that's Great. But you are you are to be a disciple of Jesus, not that person that you like. That's what we are supposed to do. i got to take a break. We'll come back and uh, finish up this conversation in a minute. You can join us also on the phone, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today, Monday, the 23rd of May. We are approaching one month, one month to summer, one month the summer of 2022. I had to think about what what year it was. I wrote down 2002 the other day. And uh, I, I the best part was I wrote 2022 down and then I scratched it out and I wrote 2002. Well, what was going on in my brain? I don't know, but uh, maybe it was just, you know, I don't know. Uh, We have been talking about the SBC report and and kind of the abuse things that happen in churches. And I want to leave it on uh, this note. You can call and join the conversation 888-528-2557. We need to be a people who are accountable to each other. And a lot of these things that go on, they don't get to courts. And, you know, another thing that you find in Corinthians is that they shouldn't have to go to courts, that we Um, you know, there might be criminal things being done. Those things I think should go to court because they are outside maybe of the realm of, of church discipline, but we should be a group of people that helps people never even get there. That this should not happen in the church. And it doesn't just all of a sudden happen. There's something that's been going on for a long time that leads into this. And I think it is the Corinthian problem. I think it's the problem of the modern church, where we don't think of the the badness of sin or we're we're ashamed of sin itself. We don't want to talk about it. It's a, it's a word that's not politically correct, uh, sin. Sin's an archery term. It means you missed the mark, okay? It means you didn't hit the bullseye. You're not perfect. And I think we also embrace it. And we seem to, the Corinthian church, you know, Paul writes, you guys are uh, have an issue in your church that everybody knows about that is something that is immoral that even the pagans don't do and uh, you guys are uh, you guys are celebrating that you need to throw this guy out he actually says that this guy needs to be tossed should not be part of you um, and here's the reason he says in first Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, verse four it says, so when you are assembled and I'm with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. I think a big reason that the church keeps struggling more and more with this is we become more concerned with other things rather than the salvation of each other. I mean, think about that is isn't that maybe at the core of it? that we become concerned about our reputation, the amount that we have in offerings, the amount of people in the seats, the uh, how many social media likes our church Facebook account gets or our church Instagram. And we're not about our neighbor. We're not about the people that God has placed us in this life to minister to, the people in our relational world, the people, you know, most of the time, these things seem like they're kind of off in the other, right? If it's not my church, if it's not me, then it doesn't matter but it does matter. It's part of the conversation between you and that other person who you work with, who doesn't know Jesus, but the reason you're in their life is so that you can represent Jesus to them. And they get those same news reports that we're getting today about this horrific report. And you might say, well, I don't have anything to do with that. It's not my church. I'm not Southern Baptist. I'm not this. I'm not that. Thank goodness. It's not my pastor. But I'm not sure that people who aren't believers differentiate that well. I think people who aren't believers mostly, you know, they understand the nuance that that isn't everybody and that's not even most people. But the questions keep rising. Before the break I was talking about how we have to have preventative measures. We we make sure that we uh, uh, scan everybody who works with kids. We do background checks. We just do it. You have to do that today, sadly. We make sure that happens with other groups that – meet at our church. You got to do it. Um, And first, when we started doing that, you know, some people said, well, it's an invasion of my privacy. Well, it probably is. But unfortunately, our privacy is secondary to saving the souls of the people who might come here. And we want to make sure that parents who come to our church are confident that we're doing the best we can to make sure that bad things don't happen to their kids. And then we need to have... We need to have functions with pastors and, and staff. that That isn't a bunch of pharisaical rules. I mean, this can go the other way where everything is just brutal, right? But it's not too hard to restrict counseling appointments to times when everybody is present, to making sure that there are other people around so that if somebody wants to falsely accuse, there's other people who are around and it makes it harder to do that. Or if the pastor or somebody is tempted to do the wrong thing, it's much harder to do that when somebody's sitting on the other side of the window and can look right into the room. That matters a lot. They used to tell us, you know, make sure, pastors, you have a window on your door. Um, I didn't have one on my door last place I was there. It always kind of bugged me. And I had windows on the other side, and I always would open up the curtains and make sure that everybody could see in if they happened to walk by. And um, But it's, it's a problem out there. 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation. What I would encourage you to do, scripturally speaking, you know, the the reason that we are to have church discipline, the reason that we should have transparency with the the problems of procedure for people to accuse people and follow up is because of our testimony, okay? All of these things, they, they damage uh, the testimony uh, of all of our churches. They just do. And I think it's because we put the mission of our church ahead of the mission of Christ? What if this comes out that we had this event happen at our church and people stop coming? You know what I find is that if churches are, are forthcoming or other Christian organizations are forthcoming that says, hey, we've had this problem and this is how we handled it, I think people respect that. I really think they do. That's true in any business. That's true for your company. It's true for whatever business you're running Uh, It matters that you come forward with stuff when it happens. It matters that you take care of things internally, if that's appropriate, or legally, if that needs to, to go there. It matters. And throughout the New Testament, we have teachings on discipline. We have Jesus talking about confronting each other with sin in Matthew 18. We have Titus 3 that talks about divisive people, people who would divide the church. We've got Corinthians where Paul is saying, throw these people out, but the reason you toss them And the reason you toss the divisive person out, the reason in Matthew 18, Jesus will say um, that you you throw this person out of the, the church, the assembly, is not just to put them out. Now, if they're not repentant, they need to be out, they're hurting. But they need to be brought back in. They need to be convicted of their sin. They need to repent. And that's what Jesus says, so that they might be saved on the day of – that's what Paul says in in 1 Corinthians 5, that they might be saved on the day of the Lord. How serious are you about other people's salvation, especially the people God placed in your life? Most people have 10 to 15 people, 8 to 15 people who actually know you and what you actually believe. What I mean by that is that you could come on this program and tell all of our listeners – thousands and thousands of people, hey, this is what I believe about Jesus, okay? But when you go back home, there are about eight, maybe 15 people, somewhere in between. Those people know if you're a liar or not because those people know what you're like at work. Those people know what you're like at church. They know what you're like in your household. They they know. Some people know if your faith is legitimate or not. You know, they may not know your heart. I don't mean to say that. They don't, Only Jesus knows the heart. But, but there are people who they'll say, They'll testify, yep, this person's really a believer. This needs to be our reputation. And I think that when you hear these reports, you should know this about the SBC, is that they've made good steps. This report coming out, this report going to a third party, it's a painful day for believers everywhere, but especially if you are SBC. It's painful, and it's painful to keep hearing it on the news. The Ravi Zacharias thing we talked about, painful. Liberty University, a lot of you went there. Painful stuff the last couple of years from that school. Lots and lots and lots of pain. But the fact that outside groups and these things are bringing these up and they're being exposed, this is good. This leads us back to repentance and moral leadership. And this is something that we really need. See, your your moral standing the moral standing of the church, the church's ability to speak out on whatever issue. Maybe you're upset about gender issues. Well, it's a lot easier to speak out about them when we're loving our neighbor and when we're not mired in our own problems in that area or homosexuality or abortion or whatever it is. We do a lot better when we acknowledge our own sin first. And then we say, hey, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But we have a savior. And this, this muck and mire that we are in there is a Savior. His name is Jesus. And when you do that, you become humble. You become a representative of Christ to the people that God has placed around you. And it's a really good deal. It's a great way to live. You get to live on mission. Okay. When we come back, we'll talk about some other things in the news, the monkey pox, whether or not we should go to war with China, other things that are in the news. And you can give us a call and join that conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Go to KKLA.com for the podcast. We'll be right back